on this week's full-time roundup. Premier League, Premier League, Premier League. The only league going at the moment, but what a title race is shaping up to be in the Premier League after this weekend's fixtures. Plus, we get you ready for this weekend and a legendary derby that may be off your radar. Full-time roundup starts right now. And welcome in to this episode of the Full-Time Roundup. Matt Gesslin here as always with you, Daniel Brackett as well as always. Daniel, we are back in our familiar seats uh, at home after the holiday. I hope you had a great Christmas. I know um, I was enjoying watching all the games. I drove back to Charlotte today. We are recording this on Thursday. But Daniel, I again hope you had a wonderful Christmas and got everything you wanted uh, Liverpool certainly gave you something on Boxing Day. We'll get to that in a minute, but uh, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, any Christmas that's 55 and sunny, I'll, I'll take. Um, I, I hate it when it's cold because you can't really hang outside. So was appreciative of that. Uh, got to spend some time with family and loved ones. So appreciate that and eat some great food as well. How was, how was Florida? It was good. Um, same, same boat. Uh, definitely going to try and keep what I ate uh, going at home. Although that's always tricky when, when uh, you know, it's a little different that time of time of year when you can kind of cheat a little bit, but uh, it was good to be down in the sunshine. Not, not too much heat, uh, a little bit rainy, cloudy. Uh, most of the time, not sure if you had that as well when you were in the Caribbean, but when I was down in Florida, it was raining most of the time. So uh, either way, good to be back here in the queen city though. Like I said, in our familiar chairs, of course, our familiar games to watch the premier league, which is what we focus on. And Daniel, we are treated to some great games this week. It's the only thing in town right now, as we alluded to in our last episode, a lot of the leagues are on break. There are some Syria games, of course, that we'll also touch on a little bit, but again, premier league is the main draw, not only last weekend, but midweek as well with boxing day on Tuesday and then a run of games on Wednesday and Thursday. So I know we want to touch on the title race and we'll get to that in a little bit because there's, there is something brewing here, Daniel. We've got a three-team race, um, but of course, with only one lead to cover, we only thought it was fitting to run through all the games for you guys. And so we'll we'll leave the title race to the end uh, just so that we can put a little bit more robust conversation around that as we are at the halfway point in the Premier League. But I want to start, Daniel, with Newcastle. Uh, they sh- continue to struggle. Th- that performance on Boxing Day was, you know, a... a Kind of a weak one, especially against a, a Forest, although they had a manager's bounce, uh, as we've alluded to before, with a new manager and, and Nuno Espirito Santos uh, taking over. So any thoughts on Newcastle, of course? Again, like I said, decimated with injuries, and and this is starting to become a, a little bit of a problem for Eddie Howe, and they, they currently sit ninth in the table. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle and, and Villa were kind of the darlings at the start of the Premier League, and one stayed fairly hot and the others kind of slumped. And I don't know if it's a combination of, you know, Europe, Premier League, FA Cup, you know, EFL Cup combined, and the squad is just not used to that grind, uh, you know, two games a week every single week of the year. Um, or it's just, you know, bad luck. But Eddie Howe has not found an answer. Um, I mean, it's been nice to see the, you know, a Lewis Miley kind of step up, but he needs other youngsters or French players to step up because it's not good enough right now. But on the other uh, side of, you know, the, or the end of the pitch, I guess, Wolves were, or sorry, Forrest were fantastic. And Chris Wood under Nuno looks like prime Ronaldo. Um, I mean, I I don't think I've ever seen Chris Wood score a, a really pretty goal. And he had 
at least two in this game uh, of his hat trick. So shout out to Chris Wood and, and Forrest. And then, you know, we'll kind of tie in Manchester United later, but seeing how good Anthony Alanga has been this season, it just has me questioning every week, why did United sell him in the summer? Because they need the exact player that he is. Um, so that's another one that just I scratch my head at week in, week out. A lot of things that Manchester United do that make you scratch your head, as you mentioned Fair enough. Them in a second. But uh, yeah, Chris Wood with the hat trick, a of course, playing against one of his former teams, respectfully did not celebrate any of the, the goals, but three good goals nonetheless. Um, Daniel, I know you've been, you know, pretty high on managers and, and kind of varying various managers. What What's your take on Nuno Espirito Santo? Of course, you mentioned the, the performance looked much better for Forrest. They have, they have good players there. We knew that under Steve Cooper, uh, they just weren't getting the performances that you expected, you know, currently sit in 16th place, one, one spot ahead of Everton on, on points on one point. How high, what's the ceiling for this team now with the new manager? Is it really that big a difference or is it really just a couple of games uh, with a, with a bounce as you know, the manager bounce kicks in? I feel like Nuno reminds me of a less established, less decorated Mourinho type coach, very defensive minded, you know, grind out wins, but it's been not like that at all since he's been at Forest, I mean, they've been banging in goals, conceding goals. I mean, every every game's been like a four four goals at least. So I I liked him at Wolves. I, I didn't like his brand of football, but, I mean, it was working with Wolves. And then he, you know, left for the Tottenham job, flamed out, went to Saudi, flamed out. So this is his chance and one of probably his last chances uh, at a big, big job. And so it's going to be crucial for him to prove himself as a, a top, top manager if he wants to stay in the, you know, the top flights of Europe. So this is going to be a really interesting story to keep a, uh, an eye on. Forrest, I think they had the talent. Um, they're just a weird side. I mean, I think they should be, you know, mid-table, maybe a little bit bottom, like in 13th. Um, so I don't think this squad should get relegated, um, but... Now they might have to fight a little bit more than people are giving them credit towards right now. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It's a weird one, right? Because obviously you mentioned the the places that Santo flamed out and didn't really, you know, make much headway. And so that's a that's a curious one, especially the Saudi one, given how weak that league is and the the team that he had there. So something to keep an eye for, like you said, I am a little concerned with you know once the manager bounce kind of plays out. Um, whether or not they have enough power. I think we've talked about, we'll get to it here in a second, how bad the bottom three are though. So they may get away with it this year, but makes me wonder if if they were going to be fighting anyway, why not just keep Steve Cooper? But um, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. Not, not in my wheelhouse to make those decisions, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that, like you said. Now, again, talked about at the beginning, you're very high on, on you know, a lot of these new managers in the Premier League this season. One of them I know that you want to talk to and touch on is, is uh, Ariola at, at Bournemouth and what they've been doing. They continue to be red hot. Um, what is your take here? And, and again, of course, we're at the end of the season, end of the year, uh, not end of the season, and, and you know, midway point. So I got to ask you again, what is the ceiling for Bournemouth as well? Probably where they are right now. Um... Which is 12th, by the way, Which just is 12th. At, at 25 points. Maybe a little higher, maybe like sneak into like ninth place at their best. Uh, with just 
what they have and what they're working with. I mean, so last year, um, they looked like they were going to go down for sure. And uh, an American ownership group came in and injected uh, the club with cash in January as a last minute, you know, let's try to save it. And it ended up panning out. Uh, Michael B. Jordan being one of the minority investors uh, for all our American listeners here. Um, and so they survived. Then they did a really good hire. They spent the cash. They, they invested really well. And what did Bournemouth need? They needed to be tight at the back, and they finally needed a goal scorer. And Dominic Solanke, you know, ex-Chelsea, ex-Liverpool player, um, has come up big this season and is having his best season easily by a country mile. I think he's second in goals now. Um, in the Premier League, and he's he's got a lot of help too. So I, I'm very impressed with this, you know, Bournemouth team. I grew up watching, you know, Bournemouth games. They're kind of like a perennial Premier League team, and it's good to see that they've kind of they're not just a yo-yo club. They're they're here to stay. It seems. It is funny you mentioned them being in the top half, which would be a huge success for them. Um, I, I think that's a little high. There's I had a conversation with a friend of mine as well who thinks they're quote-unquote, a legit Premier League side, whatever that quantifies to you. But um, I, I think a little bit lower in the table for me, I think that 12th, where they kind of sit right now. The, the funny part of this is that, of course, you mentioned they made a new manager signing, which was Gary O'Neill, and then three days before the season started, they let him go. He's now at Wolves, and and Wolves sit one, one place in the table above Bournemouth. So uh, just careful what you wish for, but they do look really impressive in what they're doing there. Of course, Ariola and what he's bringing to the table, uh, his style of play, you, you're really seeing that with with the players on the pitch and what they've been doing the last couple of weeks. And uh, a big win um, against Fulham, who under Marco Silla are starting to continue to struggle. You wonder how long he has left in the seat. Um, it's been a few years now at the helm, and they continue to be one of those mid lower tier teams uh, and so that's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on i don't i don't think marco silva is under fire just because they're missing their two number nines i mean raul jimenez is out um so is vinicius so they're playing with belize up top i believe so there goes your goal threat william their best winger uh is been out as well so they're kind of in a little bit of injury crisis as well so I think Marco Silva's done enough this year to earn him some some leeway. Obviously, if it goes to seven losses in a row, then you could see him on his way out. But I think Marco Silva was getting a lot of plaudits at the start of the season as they started pretty hot. The only thing I'll, I'll say on Bournemouth before we move on is I think them being able to retain Iriola is crucial for Bournemouth if they want to grow as a club. If they lose him, then you know that's when they could kind of it all goes down the drain. Potentially, you you never know who they could get as a manager. Um, but you know, getting a new manager, as we've seen in the Premier League, can be very risky business. Definitely can be. Although one team that um, has looked pretty good, Daniel, is Chris Wilder and Sheffield United. Of course, they do. This is a massive six-pointer in the bottom of the table against Luton this weekend. Uh, excuse me, uh, Boxing Day wasn't weekend. It's a little bit. What day are we in? Uh, and. They did look good, but they they unfortunately get the L there, which is a, a big three points for Luton. Uh, I, I wanted necessarily – we've talked about Sheffield and we talked about Chris Wilder and how much better they've looked, not only on just now but in the previous episodes. So I want to focus on Luton a little bit, who at one point, Daniel, I know we've talked about it. Everyone thought this was going to be the worst team in Premier League history, worse than Derby County, who had 11 points. 
at that time. Now Luton currently sit at 15 points, one point behind Everton from safety. Of course, everything that's going on with Everton and things that we've talked about as well. Is there enough here for Luton to stay up? Or is this team just kind of doing what a bottom team should do in, in historical sense from a promotion side, but not have enough to stay uh, in the Premier League at the end of the season? If they keep winning, they have a chance. I mean, if I'm if I'm they play Luton, Chelsea next, by the way, so they could potentially pick up three more points there. <laughs> that is, that is true. I mean, they're probably looking around right now and seeing you know the, the teams around them are just decimated with injuries. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen so many teams in a season just completely you know seven to ten senior players out. Um, so that would give them hope. I, I love Luton because you know they went at home. They're they're scrappy side. They don't play the, the best football. They got like a six seven striker, so they just lump it long and get numbers in the box, almost like a Sean Deitch type setup. Um, and and that works. You can you can see it. I mean, it's worked for Sean Sean Deitch for for years now, and it's working for Loon. I mean, that coach deserves a raise after what he's done so far. And I mean, I would love the the dream to stay alive. I just don't know if they'll have enough to keep chugging. We will see, of course, we mentioned uh, before Forrest right there as well. So can Luton catch either Everton or Forrest? That's going to be the real test. Of course, who knows what happens with Everton if they get any points back from the reduction and the appeal, deduction and the appeal. So we'll keep an eye there as well. But keeping with the theme of managers and, and want to just highlight the probably the biggest game of Boxing Day. Uh, again, we'll, we'll touch on Liverpool's performance later on. But of course, the big one at Old Trafford, Daniel. Manchester United, who take on Unai Emery and Aston Villa, go two down in the first 25 minutes of that one, and yet somehow find a way again to find a result and, and win this one 3-2 in the end. Old Trafford felt like it was so old self at the end of that match. Uh, Ramses Hoyland finally gets on the score sheet as well for in the Premier League for United. Is is everything back on track at Manchester United for Eric Ten Hag and and the Red Devils? It might be. Um, I didn't expect you know the draw at at Liverpool. I, I didn't expect them to really lose to West Ham, and now I didn't really expect them to get a result against Aston Villa. They're a weird, weird team. And what Ten Hag has done is he's welcomed Rashford and Varane back into the starting eleven. That's helped. Don't beat yourself at that point. But he's also trusting youngsters, and probably the best youngster that he has on the pitch right now is Alejandro Garnacho, who's just been fantastic this season. You know, Kobe Maimu starting. I don't know the center back who started a couple games, um, but he's 18 as well. So, I mean, they're almost kind of going back to the, is it Mancoolian way of, you know, trust the youth, trust, you know, your. your your youth squads and develop in instead of buying these big names who keep flopping for you. So, and that's also the first time I've seen them actually give a shit. You know, they fought back and they didn't just put their head down. Um, so, if I'm Tin Hog, I'm feeling a lot better. And it seems like maybe the players are finally starting to buy into my philosophy and, and want to fight for me. Um, so, hopefully, they can, they just need to keep momentum rolling, you know? You can't just keep having these weird results. You need to like put a couple in a row. So we'll see if they'll be able to do that. But at the end of the day, they're you know they're creeping up the table. 
Yeah, the big thing for me, and you, you alluded to it twice there, is the weird results, right? And just lack of consistency with this squad. Of course, a lot happened at Old Trafford this week with Jim Radcliffe taking over 25% ownership of the club. More importantly, he will be in charge of all sporting decisions for the football side. So finally, someone that is looking at this club from a real perspective of making it better on the pitch. I feel like that plays a little bit of a factor too in this performance, right? You know, new ownership, you want to show off at home to these guys that are evaluating you. You know that they're evaluating whether or not they come and tell you in the locker room or at Carrington during the week. But, it, you know, as a professional, whether you're playing in in football or in in personal life or, you know, more in the traditional professional sense, if a new management comes in, you want to impress that that management. And so I think that was a little bit of it. And, and of course, you mentioned, you know, Eric Ten Hag and his style and what he's trying to do. They, they've heard that all season. And so why why was this performance the one that caught them is for me the, the one question I would have. And so I want to keep an eye on United. You know, of course, we talked about it, how they continue to just find a way to get a result, whether or not we and the, the universe think that they're a garbage squad who doesn't put in any effort or or character on the pitch yet. They still currently are, you know, right in the in the mix for a top six spot. Um, it's pretty remarkable what what a really bad Manchester United looks like, right? And and could that be a springboard going forward with this new ownership group and what they're going to bring to the table? Who knows? Yeah, there's so many parallels, in my opinion, uh, with Manchester United and your club Chelsea, which will pivot the Chelsea here, get a much-needed win against Crystal Palace after, you know, that coach hot seat was, was getting very hot. Um, and he decided to trust, you know, some of the youngsters brought on Noni Matiweke, I think started the youngest Chelsea XI in their club history. Um, you know, Romeo Lavia made his debut. He started uh, with the pivot of Cassiedo and Gallagher. Um, what, did, what did you think of this game? Are you, you know, are you relieved? Are you, you still think it's not good enough? Where, where are you at right now? It was still pretty hard to watch, to be honest. It, is. it um, was. It was pretty much um, two relegation teams playing against each other in some form or another. Both, you know, Crystal Palace weren't that much better. Um, of course, there's rumors now with Roy Hodgson potentially on the hot seat, especially this game coming up against Brentford. If they don't get a result, could he be out? Especially with Steve Cooper now available as well. So something we'll keep an eye on. It was, again, it was a really poor performance. Chelsea escaped at home. Nico Jackson had an opportunity to score clear on net, one on one, on one with the keeper, doesn't even touch the net. Another chance throughout as well, multiple chances. The, the hardest one he finished was offside. Yeah, that was um, an impressive one. Yeah, so, I mean, but you mentioned the youngest squad, of course. You know, there's a lot of a lot of youth that this team is developing and learning into. We talked about that before with what Poch is trying to do. It's going to take time. I've been pretty hesitant to, to throw him under the bus because I think – Although I, I was pretty heated last week and said it's you know there's some concern there, but it is a project after all. And, and what's the point of another manager um, if you know at some point you have to say a project is a project? Let's give this guy a few 
months at minimum uh, to get his style in. And uh, But the big thing, I think, is Christopher Nkunku coming back and, and getting the start as well. You're starting to kind of see that that roster and lineup that we saw at the spring and summer going into the season. Of course, he was hurt the last game, and so he's just coming back, and you have to you know figure out how to put him together with, N- with Nico Jackson. Um, you mentioned Lavia getting some minutes. I think once Lavia gets up to speed, he'll start next to Caicedo over Gallagher. Um, I think you've heard some rumors about Gallagher being on the way out as well. So Which keep I don't an eye get. That. We, uh, I'm okay with it, but you know we can we can table that for another day. Um, Lavia, you know, looked good um, having not played in, in a long period of time. Of course, Enzo Hernandez, Enzo Fernandez, excuse me, uh, out with a hernia. So you know you're you're still looking at a, a makeshift midfield there. But when those three are playing together, I think you're going to see you know some some good football across the board. Um, Mikhailo Mudrik scores, which is big for his confidence as well. Armando Broja came in as a sub and looked pretty he looked good. Really good. He looked yeah. really good. You know, so um, you're starting to see some pieces there. I think again, it's a very young, talented squad, like you said, youngest in Chelsea's history. Um, but it's going to take time, and of course, the expectations at Chelsea are to win right away, um, and and that's going to be a little bit of a pill of the swallow for for the supporters because it's not going to happen that way. Before we move on, just Quick question number one: Is Sanchez injured or out right now, or is he getting benched? By no, he is injured. He was injured. Um, I forgot a couple games ago. I forgot exactly which okay. game. Pulled up with like a hamstring, so he's out a few more weeks. All right, I missed that because I saw Petkovic starting. I didn't know if he got benched. Number two is: Would you start Broja over Nico Jackson in the next fixture? Because I thought he came on and looked like that number nine target man that they needed in the system that Poch is playing. Yeah, I think you do. Um, of course, Brozier was was the guy before Jackson got there, and he's had his injuries as well that people you know may or may not remember. He was out an entire year with a knee injury last year um, after looking really good in preseason last year too. So I think you got to give him the opportunity. I think Nico Jackson is not ready yet. I, there's nothing that has jumped off the page at me, honestly, that says he is going to be – I know he's got eight goals and he's ahead of Didier Drogba's you know, uh, path, if you will, as far as youngsters and where he is, but that that's not comparable. Right. Um, I, I think you have to give Broja the chance. I think Jackson will learn under both Broja and, and Nkunku, which is what, which is what it should be. He's not ready yet. Um, and so, yeah, I would give it, I would say those two up top and, you know, uh, uh Mudeleke behind him who got the penalty, very confident in his take. Um, you know, there's some, there's some really good talent. It's just a matter of can poach put together the roster and we're starting to see how he wants that to come together. Yep. And last step before we move on to give you a little bit of hope, Matt, um, Chelsea have missed the most chances out of anyone in the premier league. So, you know, if they had a, a seasoned veteran, you know, up top or even in the box, things might be a little bit different for you guys in the table-wise. Now to move on. I thought you were going to tell me the hope was that we play Luton and Fulham next, which is not really hope. So uh, I don't even know if you want to play Luton right I now. I know. We don't want to play anybody. We'd rather play ourselves in practice, but uh, that's, that's neither that's here nor there. But, yeah, uh, we're, we're, Brentford uh, is where we're heading next, and I know, uh, you know we want to talk about that one a little bit because Thomas Frank uh, feels like he – it's kind of in a weird place, Daniel. Um, not sure how you feel about it, but uh, I'll, I'll let you go first. I have some thoughts on Thomas Frank at Brentford. I think we're going to disagree here, so I want you to go first. I think he kind of had a chance to go to a big club over the summer or even last summer when Brentford kind of was that darling. 
Um, you know, they, they of course have had pretty bad injuries. Ivan Tony's been out basically all season as well, which you mentioned about, you know, your striker not being available with, uh, with Fulham. Of course, that's one of the big pieces, but currently in 14th with only 19 points at the halfway mark, Daniel, it feels like he missed the boat on getting somewhere to that next level. And, and it's kind of stalled a little bit for me. I, I don't know if he gets sacked, but I feel like, again, I feel like he had an opportunity to go somewhere big and, and did kind of miss that opportunity. I rate Thomas Frank very highly. Um, I think that, you know, eventually he will make that big move. I don't think it'll be in the Premier League, though. I could see him in, you know, I could really see him in the Bundesliga. That's like the spot. Would be a good fit. Definitely. I think that'd be a really good fit, especially at like, you know, like a Wolfsburg or something like that kind of status, like not like top three, but, you know, somewhere around that. I think the, you know, the dagger this year for for Brentford has been um, obviously no Ivan Tony, like you mentioned, but their, their recruitment has been not good. I mean, they got Lewis Potter, Shade, I think his name was from Freiburg. Couple other attackers, and no one's panned out. They're really just depending on Johan Vissa and um, Mbomo up top, and that's just not going to give you the Tony numbers that kind of was carrying you last year. I mean, they're tight at the back. The midfield is a bunch of makeshifts. You know, they get the job done. It's more about the unit than the individual players. They've had a couple, you know, standouts, I guess you could say. But I think the recruitment is more of an indictment on Brentford than Thomas Frank. Um, but I mean, I think they're very loyal to him and what he's done for the club. So I don't see him. I think it has to get really bad before they put him on the hot seat. Um, and I, I think they'll figure things out. It will be interesting. I, I did have a question for you because we talked about Bundesliga um, and I don't disagree with you, Wolfsburg. What about Borussia Dortmund, though? If we like we mentioned, if Terzic goes into management there versus being the manager, so you know, sporting director or recruitment, that would be a nice team, or or is that a little bit too high for for Thomas Frank at this point? Because obviously we've seen he he does a lot with a little at Brentford, so yeah, you know that's that's Dortmund's mo, and you have Terzic at the at the management office. Is that does that make sense, or is that a little wishful thinking? I think it would be a little bit of a gamble on Dortmund's part but i think it'd be the right place wrong time because i don't think thomas frank is just gonna you know pack his bags and leave during the season and do brentford dirty like that so it would have to be you know at the end of the year i could see that because i think nico kovac is good at Wolfsburg. i just threw out like a higher mid-table name that and that was the first one i thought of um but yeah no i mean i think that could be a potential frugal you know, replacement for, for Terzic if he was to, you know, not get fired, but I guess promoted. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that works, but that yeah, that's an interesting one, but you mentioned uh, what the, you know, the, the scouting and recruitment at Brentford, uh, another side, Daniel, that has absolutely nailed every single signing. I think we can say that pretty confidently. I don't know if there's one that's really been a bust at this club. And of course we're talking about, Brighton and Deserby and what they've done there. Of course, this goes even further back with Graham Potter with what he's done to kind of get things started. Uh, you're looking at players like Estupinian and Caicedo and McAllister. I mean, you'll have to name Roma. the whole team. You have to <laughs> name everybody. But so they absolutely outclassed Spurs today, Daniel. And and this wasn't even close, to be honest. 4-1 was the result. It, it got a little dice. 4-2. No. 4-2. It got a little the dice. 80, first 80 first, like 80 minute 
you know, Mark, the whole game was domination by, yeah. by Brian. Sorry to cut you no, off. No, no, no. That. that was kind of where I was going. Was it was basically a domination until the last 20 minutes when when Spurs the game was over and they get two goals late to kind of make it a little interesting. Which which team gets your attention in this one though? Is it is it just how good Brighton was, which we've talked about before? Or, or are you kind of concerned now about Spurs with where things sit for Ange now that they've gotten you know a little bit of time in the league and, and people get to see what he's all about? I'm not going to – I've been overreacting a lot on this show, so I'm going to actually not overreact on this one. Um, but when I saw that Spurs' back line was Udogi, Emerson Royale, Ben Davies, and Pedro Porro. Long day. Long I was like, day. Oh my God, they're gonna get. They're gonna concede at least three, and it ended up being four. But I mean, that is. I mean, you have Dyer on the bench. I don't know what's his deal right now, but Ange Postecoglou's decision on that back line lost him the game today. Um, but I'm drawing a lot of parallels. This show, um, I see a lot of similarities between these two teams. Um, both managers are are young-ish promising more i guess new to the league they are very committed to their footballing principles they don't change for anyone they you know they're committed to playing out the back and i think both teams play pretty football this was actually a really really enjoyable match to watch um it just happened to go brighton's way because of two penalties really i thought it was i mean i thought brighton were the better team but i i don't think spurs if they if it ended four nil i don't think the you know the score reflected what actually went on in the game um but i don't know i this was like probably my favorite match of the week honestly to watch uh just because i mean you got james milner out there 36 year olds on brighton and then you got like 18 year old bononote starting in the midfield it's like such a contrast of, of players and they're all from different backgrounds but yeah i mean i think Andrews got it wrong today honestly but i i think that's you know that comes with the territory of moving into the premier league I totally agree with you that they're very similar teams and, and structure of what they want to be long-term. Well, I think these maybe, I guess. Yeah. Would be the, you know. Yeah. And I think you're looking at, of course, you know, and just got there. Half the team is injured, right? You know, there's still, you talked about Eric Dyer, who he has obviously no confidence in to, to play him. And I, I don't disagree with him. I've talked with one of our good friends of the show, John Hayes about this numerous times about, you know, kind of, is he really supposed to be the long-term center back position? If that's your, if that is who that's going to be for you long-term, you, you are in a lot of, a lot of hurt if you're a Spurs fan. Um, so I, I agree with that. I think they're, they're about another win, not a, a January window. I would say another summer window away from being where Ange would really kind of have, you know, enough to, to kind of make a push next year. I think they just, they're running out of gas it was a great story when they were top of the league and, you know, kind of everyone was thought they were the darling. They, they still fit sit fifth, you know, they're not out of the top four race, um, especially with Villa, which we'll get to here in a minute. Um, but I just think it's a little early for this squad, especially given, you know, what, what is on the roster at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, contrary to that, you see Jao Pedro get the nod over uh, Ferguson today and he's been, one of the better signings of the Premier League this season. I mean, he's money from the penalty spot. I think he has a perfect record. He's taken almost double digits. I think it's 11 uh, of 11. If, if Yeah, 11 of 11. Today. Yeah. yeah, and he, I mean, he's been a great signing. He came from Watford, 
Um, so I was really impressed with his game today. And, you know, Hinshelwood, I think it is. I mentioned him on the pod earlier, but he's like the young Brighton Academy lad who scored an absolute rocket. Um, and he's got on the score sheet, and he looks like a, a fantastic player. And not only has it been the recruitment from, you know, abroad, but it's the, you know, calling up players from from their academy. So I don't know. And Belize, another young player who's got his first uh, Tottenham goal today, so good for him. But, uh, yeah, not too many conclusions to draw from this match. More of I just enjoyed the spectacle of these two, you know, similar managers kind of going back and forth. Yeah, it was funny that the youngster getting his Premier League goal how he started. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, I don't know how to say that correctly, but uh, his first goal in the Premier League, I was trying to find some nuanced way of saying that, and he was fist pumping, which I thought was a little funny given they were down 4-0, four, four <laughs> but uh, hey, you know, credit to him. That's a big deal when you get your first goal in the league, and uh, like I said, very, very uh, bright future ahead of him, as does a lot of the Spurs team, but I think, like I said, they're they're just a little bit away, uh, but something, you know, Spurs fans, you're, you're in good shape going forward. Daniel, they they obviously are not going to be part of this next conversation that we're going to dive into. Um, we alluded to it, kind of teased it, the upfront as well as in the intro. We have ourselves an absolute title race, and it is not just a one or two team race. It is a three team race, Daniel. Um, could you ask for more? Um, and 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 we haven't talked about one team. But I, I kind of feel like they're on the outside. We don't want to spend too much time on them, but we can throw them into the mix here. Of course, from my perspective, the three that we're looking at are City, Liverpool, and Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal losing today, of course, to West Ham, which is a big surprise at home. Uh, West Ham got two two goals, one controversial, although it's it's really hard to tell if you go if you see that uh, image if it's out or in. Ruling on the field was a goal or was was inbound, so you got to keep it that way, of course. Uh, Liverpool, your team, which will I would love your thoughts, get a big win this week. Uh, you know, in, on Boxing Day against Burnley, what you expected, right? But I think the the best team or the happiest team of the three might be City, who have played the worst of the of the three in the last month and a half, I would say, and yet they're still right in it with a game in hand, only five points behind Liverpool, three points behind Arsenal again with a game in hand. So. Let me hear from you. Which team do you want to be right now if you are able to choose at the midway point going into the new year? City, without a doubt. I mean, they've done this numerous seasons. It was first with us when we had a, a you know, I think it was like a six-point lead in January. Um, Arsenal had a even more bigger lead last year. Um, and like we've said a ton of times, Holland – you know, Kevin De Bruyne, a bunch of other, you know, fantastic players are, are going to come back in, in January and who knows what's going to happen. If, I mean, I guess there's always the small doubt, maybe they won't be the same player or they'll have a little rough patch, but if I'm, you know, Pep Guardiola and if I'm Manchester City, from just historically speaking, it's going to be bad for every single Premier League uh, squad. And what I saw on Twitter actually was, Probably the most relevant tweet I've seen, I think it was a Liverpool account t tweeted, as long as Manchester City are not um, mathematically out of the title race, 
then there will always be a chance that they go on a run. And I think that was like the, one of the truest tweets I think I've seen in a long time because it, it, it's true. I mean, it could be it could be like, you know, one and a half months towards the finish line and they will just win every single game and, you know, snatch it right at the last gasp. And I, gosh, I mean, it seems like the referees love to help them do it too. So I mean, there it is. Be, there it is. Let's let's just let's just jump into the city game, I guess. I mean, that they obviously deserve to win, right? They two bad mistakes or oh, bad mistake to go down against Everton. But that handball, I mean, if you contrast the other handballs, especially the one that's on my top of mind with Odegaard, I mean, how is that a handball? But but this one is. I mean, it's tucked into his body, he's turning away. Like, I just don't get it. It is tricky, of course, within the rules of the game. Onana's arm is going up and away from him. So it's, but Odegaard's is 100% a handball. I mean, the guy swipes at it. Um, I think it's, you know, like you said, and you kind of alluded to it, the, the refs want to help City. I knew that that was coming at some point. Uh, you know, <laughs> you guys are still ahead of them. Uh, I don't think the, you know, of course, we'll see what happens. Um, there is a, a big debate. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll have a, an understanding in 2024 about where things are going to lie for Manchester City with, you know, point deductions and, and the investigation. So I would be careful what you say. They may be a little bit more unfavorable than you realize. But uh, for now, uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. You mentioned being you wanted to be City um, because of the, the historical context. Give me Liverpool. Um, okay. You want to be where you want to be. You're at the top. They're chasing. Um, and so Fair enough. especially with, you know, a two point game in hand on Arsenal, you've done this before with the talented roster we've talked about. You just need to kind of find a way to kind of get some consistency with your strikers. The big concern for me is Mosulah going away for AFCON. Uh, he'll be gone for a month, which is a huge loss, um, for, for you guys, especially, of course, other teams will have that impact too, but he is just such a impactful player for you guys up front. That's going to be, if you guys City can won't. manage, that's true. If you guys can manage without him um, and maintain, you know, either a lead or be within touching distance, I think that's going to be a huge, huge plus. So um, yeah, give me Liverpool though, but um, it was an interesting game going back to the individual game city, of course, who, who, won the FIFA Club World Cup, whatever you take stock of that, um, you know, in Saudi Arabia, fly to Everton, uh, not an easy place to play at Goodison. And for other than 15 minutes where they made a few bad passes that led to Jack Harrison's goal, they absolutely dominated that game. Um, and so, you know, you're kind of wondering, like you said, are they going to turn the corner, get on a run? Um, is this the game that kind of, you know, is that turning point for them? Um, and then Liverpool's game, you know, you guys were – took care of business, but I thought it was a little bit more difficult than it should have been. And, and of course we, we alluded to a little bit Arsenal and their performance. Yeah. You, the one thing I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off you with the Liverpool game is it should have been easier. Um, that's the one worry I have about Mo going to, to um, AFCON because I mean, he's the second top scorer, top in assists, having, like numbers wise, one of his best seasons. I don't think his best, but one of one of the best. And he's you know thirty one, so he's not getting any younger. But this, what's so crazy is, I don't think Mo has played that good this season. Like genuinely, I, I think that he he comes and scores a goal or gets a huge assist at the right time. But just like open play wise, I I I just think 
he he was really used to Firmino and, and Mane playing. And since they left, it's you know he's trying to s- still adapt to to the new players that we brought in. Now, I mean, not to take anything away of what he's done, but if he hits top gear, say he goes to Afcon, does really well, and comes back, that that'll be scary. But you're gonna have to replace those goals and assists and. Is this when Darwin Nunez is going to step up? Is this when Gakpo is going to step up? Diaz, Jota, we have the depth to you know keep banging in goals. Those players are just not don't other than Jota, they don't have that cutting edge that I'd like to see. Now, I'm I'm not saying they they won't have that because historically Gakpo and Nunez have been firing on all forms um, in in other leagues and even last year. So, it I think Klopp is going to really hyper focus on getting these players rolling uh just in time for when when salah leaves totally agree with you and it'll be like i said if you can maintain with him while he's gone that'll be a huge huge plus for you guys one team daniel we haven't touched on not only in their game that they lost to united but of course we're kind of leaving them out of the mix in this in this title race i'm not sure if it's justified or not i personally think it is of course is is aston villa who who struggled now two games in a row um, are we any, any concern with Unai Emery and his squad, or we touched on it a little bit? Kind of, were they ever going to be able to maintain that that performance at that level that they were at recently? We've seen it a little bit, like I said, the last couple games. Are they out of this picture? Are they they still in it? Where do they sit for you? I think fourth is an overachievement, and I think that's where they're going to aim for. I, I don't think they're going to catch up with the the top three. Um, also, just to throw in there, Liverpool still unbeaten. Forgot about that. I don't. I think they're the only squad that's unbeaten in the Premier League this year. Um, but yeah, no. Going back to Aston Villa, um, fourth, fifth place, I think is still a really, really, really good season, especially with European football still to play for. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I just don't see him catching up to you know City or Arsenal or Liverpool. I agree with you on that. And, and Sunday, um, as of course, as New Year's Eve, we'll have a, another episode for you guys there, which will do a, a little bit more deep dive into where teams are in the table, where things are going to be projected for the end of the season, so teams like Villa. Um, but before we do get to that, Daniel, I do want to ask you one last question on the title race. Of course, Liverpool 42 points, Arsenal 40, Manchester City 37 um, at the halfway point. What is the number for the winning team this season? Of course, last couple of seasons, you know, City were the standard bearer. Um, it got to 90 last season. 89 so we'll call it 90 um 93 the season before that where what is the total that liverpool needs to get to in your opinion if you're going to beat manchester let's write these down because i would love to look at this at the end of the season see how close we were i'm gonna say 83 83 that's pretty I, low haven't seen that 86 actually, is the most actually lowest one actually 85 i'm 85. gonna go to 85 and why I think 85 is because of all the injuries and AFCON and World Cup last year. I, I just think that players won't be able to, you know, maintain that high level this year. I think they need a break bad. But, oh, you got Euros in the summer anyway, so we'll see how that goes. That's true. If they double the, the performance now, it's, of course, 84. Um, it's not going to be apples to apples. Um Give me 88. I'll take 88 points. So just behind last year's pace, but uh, I, I think it's going to be a tight race regardless. Uh, like I said, we'll have another episode about this on Sunday, which we'll kind of dive into a little projection um, into the, the rest of the season. But we 
always have projections and predictions for you on this episode on Thursday. So uh, we will do that after the break. Of course, please download, like, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. It goes a long way. You can follow us and interact with us on X at Full Time Roundup. Again, um, we are going to dive into some predictions for you guys, as always, on a Thursday after the break. And there are some good ones. There's one game in particular, Daniel. Everyone usually circles on their calendar, whether or not they're a fan of this league or not. So we'll dive into that after the break. Nap game. And we're back. Full-time roundup, as always, like we said before, the break is a prediction Thursday show. So we do not want to disappoint you guys. We know it's been a little strange with the holiday and the fixtures. Uh, That's just the nature of the beast this time of year. But we're trying to give you guys all as much coverage as possible. Daniel alluded to it, maybe a nap game in here that we'll get to in a second. Um, But of course, like I said, predictions across the board. The big focus is, again, the Premier League, which is mainly the the one league that's going consistently around the clock right now as everyone else has a little bit of a winter break. Um, Daniel, I know you you like that. I kind of wish the Premier League would do it too um, secretly. But uh, Why is that? Do you know? Not really sure. Not really sure. But uh, it's been a tradition that's been around for a year. We can dive into it and find out for Sunday for you guys. But I'm curious as well. I actually don't know the answer. My only thought was the EFL Cup because there's a third cup cup competition and no one else. Sure, they do have that midweek in January. But that's only, you know, I guess that could add up to like three games. So I I think that's probably what it is, but I, I still think it's bullshit. I agree. I agree. These guys need a break. They've all they're doing is adding more games. So um, that's neither here nor there. Another episode, another time. We'll get to that one. uh, Definitely potentially on Sunday. But uh, just to give you guys a a lay of the land here, um, Daniel usually picks these games for us. And then we chat about them, give you predictions. Of course, he always finds one in here to make me go and take a nap on the couch. Um, So I'm going to pass it off to Daniel to start us off. He has a couple good ones. I see on the list one of his teams as well. So um, I'll let him kind of fire away to begin. So first is, you know, not a relegation scrap, but a survival scrap, I guess you could say. Survival? Not I I don't know. They're like right there with each other, kind of in that bottom table, but not in the relegation zone. We got Wolves and Everton. Everton coming off a loss. Wolves coming off a big win. Um, How do you think this is going to shake out? Ooh, um, I like what Sean Dyche is doing. My only concern is if, and I, this is a one-off, but this is he does tend to get in this mode where Jordan Pickford makes some mistakes. He made a really bad one uh, for the third goal in the game against City. I think I alluded to it. He was on five consecutive clean sheets going into the game against Spurs. Which is so, insane for Everton. Which is in Spain. Um, 1-1. I think this is a tight game. But I think I think both teams I think that's a fair result. One one. I think that a lot of people would look at this game thinking this could be really ugly. I think this will actually be a pretty enjoyable, sneaky, enjoyable match. I'm gonna go two two. Um so next on the docket on Monday, uh Liverpool versus Newcastle at Anfield. Oh, I'll let you go first. <laughs> Are you nervous about this one? No, not at no. all. No. Well, I, I'm not nervous for you guys either. Newcastle are really banged up. Um, Eddie Howe, you could sense the frustration in his voice and a little bit of concern with, you know, just the way the team's playing. I think this one is a, a big way for for Klopp to close out to 2023. 
Um, I'll take three. It'll one. be on the first, actually. Oh, excuse me. Well, it, technically, it would be on. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> A new way to start 2024. There we uh, go. Three one Liverpool. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, I'll go four now. I think this is going to be, you know, when the wheels fall off uh, with Newcastle. Um, but last time I was really confident about a game, you know, we tied United. So yeah, maybe that's, yeah we don't have to talk about that. I'm surprised you brought it up. Maybe that's really bad. Um, Fulham, Arsenal, uh, London, Derby. How, how is this going to shake out? The worst thing that could have happened to Fulham is that Arsenal lost this game to West Ham. Even though it's on the road, I think this is going to be a beatdown. Um, 4-0 Arsenal. If they can't win this game um, and they can't put an impressive performance, almost take them out of the title race. This this is a bounce-back performance they have to have. 4-0 um, for, for me. Couldn't agree more. I'm going to go 3-1. Um, but I, I do think Arsenal will flex their muscles here and, and get the job done in a pretty easy fashion. Um, last Premier League game we got on the docket, Spurs versus Bournemouth. There's my nap game. No, just kidding. Spurs are no nap. Every time they play, it's something exciting. It's fireworks. Uh, it is fireworks. Uh, 2 2. I'll take 2 2 here. I don't think Spurs can defend. We've seen that consistently. Uh, I think Dominic Slanky is in, in good form. Um, yeah, 2 2. I'll take 2 2 for that one. I'm going to go 2 2 as well. I, I agree with you know the state of Spurs' back line mixed with, you know, Bournemouth's red hot form. They still struggle defending occasionally. So, I think that Son or, or Richarlison will be able to get at least one or two in the back of the net. So I'm going to go draw here. Um, actually, no, I'm going to go 3-2 Bournemouth. I think Bournemouth won this game. Um, they're just in such good form. Uh, switching over to Italy, Milan, AC Milan versus Sassuolo. Ooh. Um... Man, this is a big one for Pioli, as we've talked exactly. about before. Um, Christian Pulisic, who's been struggling of late too, could use a bounce back here. So Swallow, you know, fifteenth in the table. AC Milan's going to run out of run out of room if they keep dropping points. Um, two two nil AC Milan. I'm not confident about it though, but they need it. They really need it. Yeah, Pioli's on the hot seat, and their defenders are dropping like flies. Um, they're going to have kind of like a Spurs makeshift back line here. I, I do think there will be goals in this one. I'd probably look at the over if we were doing a gambling show. But uh, I'm going to say 3-1 Milan. I think they kind of get rolling, and uh, Swasola's defense has been pretty abysmal as of late. Here's your nap game. Um, I this is definitely a nap game. The ugliest game on the docket, but you know, two top half size, top seven sides. Juventus versus Roma. Juventus really need this win to keep pace with Inter. Roma need this win to be in the top four. Uh, what do you think? I think Jose Mourinho gives Inter Milan a nice Christmas gift here and takes points away from Juve um, and, and gives Inter an even bigger lead in the table. Of course, four points clear of Juventus right now. I don't know if Roma win this one, but they definitely, like I said, take points. No Lukaku. No Lukaku, which is big, but I'll go one-one. Jose finds a way. They both. This is going to be a. They may not even hit the halfway field mark on the field for both teams in this one, but uh, for some reason, I feel like one-one is going to be in the cards. Um, I'm agreeing with you a lot here. I'm going one-one as well. 
Won't even bother watching this game. Luckily, there's um, no uh, betting show on this one. This is just yeah. straight up. Otherwise, if we agreed too much, you might have to completely change your picks. But Ex- Exactly. But yeah, this one, I promise you I'll watch the highlights, but there will I will not be sitting down and wasting my time watching this one. And la- or uh, second to last in Italy, Napoli versus Monza. Uh, you know, man, Napoli, Napoli are really Napoli. Osman's out. Osman's yep. out too. Got some injuries. Don't really know how this one's going to shake out. This would put Monza top half of the table. Um, if they could get three points, I haven't had many surprises. I'll take Monza. Monza did surprise AC Milan earlier in the year as well. Uh, give me Monza 2 1 on the road. Two, one. I'm going to go. Ooh, 2-2 here. Um, it is in Naples, so I'm giving Napoli a slight edge um, in that. And then Lazio, Frozenoni. Lazio, you know, have struggled a lot in the league. Um, Frozenoni have, have kind of had some nice shock results as of late, kind of hot with that young squad of theirs. How do you think uh, this plays out? Big, big win in the cup as well um, that we alluded to last episode for Frozenoni. Um, Lazio, I got to take them. Uh, 2-1, really boring game. Another boring game and, and maybe two naps that I'll take. With a mobile out, I'm going Frozione 2-1, opposite, Good pick. opposite fixture. Good pick. And yeah. in Good the pick. last but not least, we have a derby in Scotland. Celtic versus Rangers. Celtic um, is kind of cruising to the title here. This is a chance for Rangers to you know get a – as you say, six pointer. Um, how did you think Brendan Rogers men get the job done or are Rangers kind of, kind of bounce back here in the league? Boy, this is a big one. Throw any, any record book out the window when these two play, of course, this is the biggest, one of the biggest rivalries in the world, clearly the biggest rivalry in Scotland. You mentioned a six pointer Celtic only five points ahead of Rangers right now. Um, so this is a massive game. Um, man, this, and again, the rivalry here is, it it goes, you can't even state how big this one is between the two sides. Um, it's at Celtic park, which will help Celtic three, two. I think you're going to have a a fun back and forth in this one, but I do think Celtic have a little bit too much talent. Going with Celtic two one, Brandon Rogers. He's been in the seat before you can kind of really seal the league up early with this win. So, uh, Rangers it would feel that been, way, wouldn't it? Yeah, they've been really weird as of late, so I just can't trust Rangers here, and I think Celtic get the job done. Um, well, that is our prediction show here. Um, like Matt said before, please follow on X at Full Time Roundup. Follow him at Life of Gesslin. Follow me at Liverpool CLTFC. You know, download, subscribe, rate five stars on Spotify and Apple or wherever else you get your. Um, podcast from thank you for tuning into another midweek show and be safe and have a wonderful night